The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are uh, another week into the season. Some trends are starting to emerge. It's time to start asking real questions about teams uh, and uh, and about players, coaches, and <clears throat> occasionally the media. Uh, um, well, it's always okay to jump on the media because sometimes they tend to ask illogical questions. Illogical, asinine. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going with that. And Glad you pointed that out. <laughs> Now, occasionally, players say stuff about themselves that is hilarious, um, and sometimes they say something about themselves uh, without ever actually speaking that just says more about who they are than anything you've seen from them before. And we saw that from Trent Frederick uh, earlier this uh, earlier this week. Um, and of course, everyone's favorite hockey mom has uh, made a correction uh, on via her Twitter account uh, in the last couple of days. Where do we want to start this week? Uh, oh my goodness! I, uh, want to get the bad news out of the way first. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, Don Sweeney is still uh, GM. Oh wait. Uh, you meant uh, the other stuff. That's that's just an ongoing story. That I don't know. <laughs> Bad news, yes, but we could say that every week. Um, uh, no, I was talking about. We actually had talked about it last week on the show, and, and I was very proud of the fact that the National Women's Hockey League was actually going to have their Isobel Cup televised on national TV on NBCSN. Uh, both the semifinals and the finals supposed to happen Thursday and Friday. And then on Wednesday, literally a day before the semis, they suspended their season due to the the ongoing issue. Uh, Yes. And for that reason, the Buffalo Sabres have also missed uh, several games, had a total of 12 different games rescheduled, um, which just sort of throws the whole preseason okay. uh, schedule planning completely out the window. There I have mean, been a lot of post- there have been a lot of teams who have who have had postponed games and uh, just plain missed so far. But it just in terms of, I mean, it's one thing for the NHL. They've got other games. They've got the contract with. NBC for however long it with NBC for however long they deem it a, a, a functioning relationship the poss- you know the, the whole thing with NBCSN closing down we went over all that last week but for the for the women's hockey league this was going to be a huge step at least in my opinion it was going to be a huge step forward oh and absolutely to have to shut it to have to shut it down literally a day before you start your semifinals I and I mean, it says right here, stage was set. NBCSN crews were arriving. It's got to be the- crushing, like not just to the players and the coaches <laughs> and the ownership, the various uh, organizations, um, but to a lot of their family members who and their friends who have waited literally the 
some of these women's entire lives uh, or, you know, in the case of the ones who have kids, those kids entire lives, they've waited to see mummy on TV. Um, and it didn't happen. And, and it says here, the, 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 the women on the teams and they're like, the big thing is the six, uh, Minnesota's team, I believe. Toronto. That is Toronto. Okay. They were hot, apparently. Four-game winning streak. Had momentum heading into their semifinal game against the Buffalo Buttes. Yep. Uh, scoring. Uh, the quote here, we were scoring goals and eating pancakes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard some interesting catchphrases. That's not one of them. But, hey, if it sticks. <laughs> I mean, the morale on and off the ice, they, they're all pumped up about this. And to have it just slam the brakes on it the way they did is. And it says here, and, and you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they come back. They still hope to finish the playoffs at some point. But it just, it it throws off the whole flow of it. Like it says, the, the, the six are a hot team going into the playoffs. It would be, you know, catching a hot goalie in the playoffs and then saying, no, wait, you got to wait a week before your next game. Yeah. Or a month <clears throat> or, or a month or, or yeah, it's just, no, I, I really, I feel for the NWHL right now because I was looking forward to watching it. <laughs> I, I had actually attempted to block off the time on my schedule and didn't get to. Um, so I, I had found out about it and I was really, really annoyed. Um, I didn't even originally want to talk about it on the show today uh, because it's that it's just that frustrating. Hey, yeah, it, it's frustrating because it, it's this is this is a league that it, it could benefit from and, and said it many times. This is a league that could benefit from this kind of support. And well, it's not even just the support. It's the opportunity right now. There are more people home, free to watch TV, uh, than at almost any point in uh, the last 30 years. I mean, probably more than at any point in the last 30 years. Uh, And they can't even watch these games because they're not happening. They've They've all been postponed with the suspension. And... I mean, that ha- that's going to have a more <clears throat> outsized impact on uh, the NWHL than it does, you know, the NHL or the NBA or whatever. I mean, those the other leagues, the men's leagues have a, you know, 40 to 100, 105 year history of being in the public consciousness. The NWHL, not not quite there yet. No, but I look forward to the I look forward to the day when it is, and I look forward to actually seeing them on the NBA, NBCSN, or whatever national USA network. wherever wherever they yeah. end up. For now, we will have to settle for clinching the top seed of the season, but we want more, and we'll get more because we're not done yet. Hopefully, see you all for the 2021 Isabel Cup playoffs in the near future. That's the Absolutely. last line. And this article was written by actually one of the players on the Toronto Six. Her name is Lindsay Eastwood. She's a, a 
rookie blue liner. Uh, she's been blogging for Sportsnet throughout the league's bubble season, which was suspended Wednesday. So it's it's nice to get a firsthand accounting of how everybody feels about what's going on. But we do hope for a quick resolution to this and that they get back on the ice because it would be fun to watch. As we said, we've watched many women's hockey games and entertaining and just as competitive as watching any men's pro or college hockey game. So you're not missing out on anything, believe me, except for maybe line changes. <laughs> that That is true. <clears throat> Do we want to uh, continue with the ladies or – uh, move on to something else. We've got more. Uh, we've got more ladies. Uh, I thought that was the big news of the day was that the ladies were suspending. Is um, there something that I've missed? As I said uh, in the opening, America's favorite hockey mom uh, has uh, issued a correction. Ah, <clears throat> Amy Jones, uh, uh, who you can find at Amy Jones underscore zero three on Twitter. Um, pointed out uh, the other night that uh, Seth Jones, uh, it was announced during the game that Seth Jones grew up figure skating. Uh, she says, not true. Seth Jones did not grow up figure skating. <laughs> oh, goodness. But he did take lessons uh, in skating from a figure skating coach who also taught power skating. power skating. Not for anything, though. It's actually not a bad idea because you learn balance finesse uh, you learn you learn to use other uh, i don't want to say muscles or anything because clearly you're using the same muscle but it, it just gives you that little extra it, it's like they've said i've heard it said in the past that football players actually take ballet it makes them utilize a little bit more nimble yeah the balls of the you know running on the balls of their feet as opposed to always heel toe heel toe yeah it, it's it gives them that little bit, that flexibility, that that lateral movement. That so there are other things that taking a, a figure skating class or two is actually going to benefit him. I, I love the way she starts out her description on her thing. She's the Jones family CEO. She's <laughs> on on Twitter. Her her little description. Yes. She's the jo- the Jones family CEO. <laughs> Legitimately, if you're not following uh, Amy Jones on Twitter. Why do you even have an account? Like, seriously, why do you have an account? It's a good question. Um, fun story of the day for me. And I saw this story uh, when it basically when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, both of us like analytics. They're very useful for comparing players <laughs> who you don't get to see head, head to head very often. There's, there are some old schoolers who aren't quite but as into the analytics, though. There's also the eyeball test. And the eyeball test, actual performance, doesn't lie. You can't skew it. You can't, you can't, uh, you know, you can't interpret it to death. Um, there's no analysis paralysis involved. And... Paul Maurice, who's been one of the more plain spoken coaches in the league for a while now, has <clears throat> elevated himself to the rarefied heights of Burke and um, Torts, uh-huh. uh, John Tortorella, uh, with his By most way, recent cool. defense of Blake Wheeler. 
two of my faves, and I have to say, yes, Paul Maurice is starting to elevate his game, and he's going to be the third of the triumvirate that uh, I enjoy listening to. Now, <clears throat> we're... There's a there's a video up on uh, TSN's uh, website. Someone is asking analytics questions about shoulder shifts for Blake Wheeler. At this point, the team is 10 games into the season. And after a short, reasonably, um, reasonably even keeled answer, Maurice just sort of shakes his head, sits back a little bit and says, he's got, you know, F word, 11 points in 10 games. What do you want? Um, by the way, and he, it's pro- beautiful. He, he prorates out to 88 points this season. If yes, were playing and that's 88 point. points in 56 <laughs> games. Uh, and someone, uh, again, someone else had said something to him about uh, Wheeler taking short shifts. And Maurice is sitting there just short of putting his head in his hands um, and saying, look, I've told the whole team that I want us to be taking shorter shifts this year. And he, as a leader, is doing what I said and leading by making sure his shifts stay at the length where we want them. Yeah. And it it went on like this for about two and a half minutes. And by the way, that's what you would expect out of your captain is to lead by example, just to throw that out there. (laughs) Someone asked, well, someone said, well, you're being awfully protective of Blake Wheeler and. He said, and Maurice said, no, I'm, I'm really being protective of the Winnipeg Jets. When you have a guy of that high character, and I'm, these are not direct quotes, you really should watch the video. When you have a guy of that high quality character and uh, you know, contributions on ice and everything like that, you want to protect them because it's good for the franchise. And Paul Maurice is he also speaks 1,000% of, right. He also speaks of... of his le- of Blake's leadership in the locker room and what kind of a guy he is on and off the ice. And yes, I mean, Blake, the two of us have always liked Blake Wheeler, whatever jokes we have made. And I freely admit I've made th- at least hundreds of jokes about his offsides in the time he's, he was in Boston. <laughs> um, uh-huh. He's an excellent player. He really is an excellent player. And if the, that organization does not get his jersey into the rafters uh, a couple of years after he retires, they don't deserve to have any good players land there ever again. The way he developed and here in Boston, it, and it's funny because here in Boston, everything is is a tempest in a teacup. You know, it, when you when you come up, you either become a fan favorite or you become an uh, an awesome. You get hounded out of town. Uh, yeah, and, and he. The you could see the talent when he first started here in Boston. You the the talent was obvious, and he's now on a level. I'm not I'm not going to say he's he's Bergeron 2.0 or anything like that. Because, but as far as his abilities as a two way forward and his 200 foot game, he's got to be in that top five, top ten. Uh, <coughs> oh. How he he doesn't get more consideration. I'm not saying he should have won a Selkie, but how he doesn't get more consideration for it is beyond me. He's playing in Winnipeg, and before that, he played in Atlanta. If he had 
played his career on the New York Islanders, even or the Chicago Blackhawks. Or were they still in Atlanta when he joined the team? I thought they were. I thought they had moved to Winnipeg. No, he's been gone a while. I know uh, he's, he's been, been gone, gone a, while. a long while. Because um, him and Stewart uh, went there, um, and they, I think they were there for like three years or two and a half years before. Okay. Uh, before the franchise moved. Okay. Because uh, remember, reason, Blake Wheeler is. I think oh. Blake Wheeler actually joined the Bruins the same year that. Um, <clears throat> the same year that Phil Kessel uh, came out of school, or maybe it was the year after. Yeah, Wheeler was in Boston from oh eight oh nine to the middle of the uh, cup winning season. <clears throat> he was on the thrash. They were the Thrashers uh, for ten eleven. They moved the next year. Okay, uh, so you 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 were close. Uh, but he's been gone uh, since the 10-11 season. It's been a decade. Um, in fact, I wanted to talk a little bit about milestones this week. Um, no, no, he's at 942 final. games. Getting close. He won't make it. It, it won't he, be this year. Matt says, no, it's not going to be this year. But <clears throat> Beginning of next year, you got to hang another, you gotta hang another uh, player on the 1,000 games list. Yeah, and we just had Varlamov hit the 500 games list for goaltenders, which 70, is 76th one in NHL history. That's and you're talking about a league that's over 100 years old, has now had more than 30 teams for a couple of years, had 30 teams for what 12, 15 years, and 20 teams for like a good a good decade and a half. There's about 700 players uh, who play in the league each year in a normal season. Uh, I I can't even calculate how many goaltenders must have gone through the league in the past 105 years, 110 years. And even 73 of them hitting 500 games, knowing what an NHL game or NHL season looks like for a goalie is it's. It's pretty amazing. You, 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 yeah. Back to I, I'm I'm pulling up Wheeler stats just because I'm curious now that you mentioned 942, and I'm looking at it, he's got 772 points. Uh, the bulk of them are assists. The man is the man is a distributor extraordinaire. Oh yeah, 772 points. 505 of them are assists. Plus 91. He's got 623 penalty minutes in 942 games. Yeah, he's not a squishy he, he, player. Well, he's, what, 6'5"? I mean, he, he can be physical he's when not he a, wants to be. He's not a fighter. I mean, no one's going to mistake him for George LaRock. But oh, no, no, no. he's not squishy. Uh, if you hit him, he will hit you back at some point. Uh, he will block shots. Uh, he will do whatever it takes to get uh, to win the game. I mean, just, I mean, his numbers, I think, and I've always thought that Boston gave up on him too soon. The problem is that they didn't have but any place Boston to really. Went and won the cup. They didn't uh, have any so, place to really put him, though, either. I mean, you had Bergeron, you had Krejci, you knew they were going to be a top two centerman. See, I still think he could have done really well on the, on the right side um, in place of, uh, you know, that season it was Recky who ended up 
uh, skating with Bergeron and Marchand because um, they've had a lot of trouble keeping right wings uh, who are useful. He would have been it, he would have been fun on the right wing, yeah. And I mean, yes, I, I mean part of the criticism of Blake Wheeler comes from the fact that yeah, he's got a cut, he's got a ten point one percent of the current cap hit. Um, but he's worth it. In my book, uh, he's worth it. He <laughs> At has actually. Years old, he's got three year, three seasons left on his contract. He has finished. He has finished in the Selkie running four times. Uh, yeah. As as a rookie, he was twenty fourth. Uh, in 2014-15, he finished 25th. The next year, again, 25th. And then in 16-17, he finished 48th. So somewhere along the line, somebody's not pay att- paying attention. <laughs> Lots of people are not paying attention is that the issue. 40 se- that you can tell me 47 players in the NHL are better two-way players than Blake Wheeler? Um, back in 16-17, and it doesn't even list on Hockey Reference since then whether he's been voted for it or not. But honestly, if you can tell me that there are 47 players in the NHL better two-way players than him, I need that list so that I can, well, obviously dissect it and chop it up and then give it the, the full attention that it deserves. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Um, I actually did that one with a straight face. I'm Probably very impressed have. with you. Probably shouldn't have, but I'm working on it. And, oh, by the way, uh, let's see. I think he's missed one game in the last five years. Yeah, he's been obscenely healthy. For, uh, again, a big guy who plays physically, <laughs> who, um, who, I mean, yeah, he blocks shots, he, he hits, he skates hard, he he does literally everything you can ask anyone to do on the ice. So going back and this, this season isn't done yet, but going back the prior six years, he has missed one, two, three, four, five, six, the prior seven years. So this would be year eight. Uh, he's missed a total of mm, four games. How dare he lazy. How dare he? He missed three games in fourteen fifteen. Three, ah, and then he missed one game in seventeen eighteen. No, no, no. Why didn't they just buy him out at that point? I, I have no idea. Uh, three whole games could have something to do with the fact that I don't know. Maybe he was averaging twenty minutes a night, or just slightly under twenty minutes a night. Uh, could be that he had seventy three penalty minutes that season. He was a plus twenty six. I don't know. It, it, maybe that's why. But he's missed four games in eight years, <laughs> and he hasn't. <laughs> but clearly, clearly, he's lost a step. Somebody's missing something on this guy because that's, <laughs> or somebody's just missing something. If like you want to go back, if you want to go back to 2011-12, he's missed six total games. <laughs> in. 12 years or nine years <laughs> again. How dare he? How dare he? Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. Somebody's obviously uh, not paying attention. Uh, 
Blake, we miss you. We, we it would have been nice to capture, but it would it it's good to see how much success you've had in Winnipeg. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what else. I mean, that's that's congrats and wish you did it in a Boston uniform. Congrats. <laughs> hey, his career is not over yet, despite the fact that some people are are ready to put him out to pasture. Not I. Uh, if by pasture they mean uh, the jersey of a different team, perhaps. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Winnipeg is not the worst team in their division. I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs this year. But I don't think they're the worst team in the, in the, uh, in the North Division this year. No, I don't think they are either. I mean, none of them are the Montreal Canadiens this year, that's for sure. The Leafs have just managed to scrape ahead of the of Toronto or of Montreal in uh, in the no. standings. But the in the same number in 12 games played for each Montreal has scored more goals, allowed fewer goals, obviously has a better goal differential. Um, both of them have won, you know, eight of their games in regulation. Uh, this this North Division is going to be a fascinating, fascinating playoff. Because uh, as it stands now, uh, one versus four would be Toronto versus Edmonton. Um, and then two versus three would be Montreal versus Winnipeg. And if that doesn't have, if that doesn't have barn burner written all over both of them, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what does. Okay. I find the, I find it very interesting. Something just popped up on my screen. Uh, apparently the Bruins have waived Zach Seneshin first round pick. Oh, that's terrible. Terrible. It'd be interesting to see if anybody the, snaps where, them up. Where is the organization going to go without that clear centerpiece of the future? Well, he was the steal he was the steal of the draft supposedly. Yes, uh the NHL managed to steal a draft pick. Is it a uh, steal from the Boston Bruins? You, is it a steal when you draft a guy 14 14 uh Rounds before he's split. I mean, is yeah. Mason Lowry the the latest steal of the draft for the Bruins? Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> stealing from themselves. <laughs> but they hit on pasta, so obviously going outside the lines works for them. Absolutely. I mean, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I hate to admit this, and I don't know what I'm admitting to per se, but. Zaboro has not looked uh, I'm definitely going to couch this statement. Zaboro has not looked as bad as I expected him to look. He has not looked terrible. He also hasn't looked great. Yeah. Um I I mean basically he looks like a rookie defenseman and that's it. Um kind of what he is though. Uh, yes. Before but, this season he had what two NHL games? Maybe. But the thing is is at this point you're generally expecting a first round pick to have at least 
strongly competed for a roster spot, and he hadn't done that. Uh, I mean, if you want to compare him to a guy like Connor Clifton, um, who had a hockey. cute little fight um, where he <laughs> Told fed you about that some one, dude his knuckles like really Obe, hard Obe, a couple uh, times. I can never remember what his first name is. Obey Kubel. Yes. From the from the Philadelphia Flyers. Nicholas Obey Kubel. Um, it was very interesting in the fact that, yes, Connor just kind of uh, slapped the boy around for the first three or four shots before Obey Kubel finally got hold of him and did the only thing he could, which was to toss him to the ice, which forces the officials to step in. And honestly, <laughs> when Obey Kubel tossed him to the ice, uh, Clifton hadn't actually thrown a punch in a good three, four seconds. I genuinely think that uh, Clifton was waiting for him to fall down on his own because he was wobbly for those three and a half, four seconds uh, before he managed to get, he got him good a couple of times. The the first first shot. Oh yeah. The first shot uh, basically decided that encounter. The first shot was reminiscent of Ovechkin hitting Svechnikov, but you, <laughs> although not quite the heavyweight fight that Ovi and Svech is, because you know both being over six foot two and and over a couple hundred pounds, whereas you had Ove Kubel and and Connor Clifton who are both about five ten, five eleven, and about one seventy five ish. Yeah, so I think we're that's talk, the we're, year weight. We're, we're talking more welterweight or or <laughs> bantams, barely uh, barely over bantams, <laughs> but still entertaining nonetheless. When I when I was watching the game and all of a sudden Cliffy's throwing down, I was just like, um, wait a minute, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> and yet it did. It was a tasty little morsel. Very nice. Very enjoyable. Uh, I know it's of, your favorite phrase. Uh-huh. Or one of your very favorite phrases, God, anyways. You're not going to roll out if the playoffs, if the season ended today, are you? If the playoffs started today. Oh, God. The other <laughs> matches would actually be fascinating, too. Because it'd be Boston versus Pittsburgh, Philly versus Washington. And I think Pittsburgh would get reamed, like, Flat out steamrolled. Steam. I don't think it matters who's they. I don't think it matters who they play. They're going to get reamed. I mean, they just yeah. Pittsburgh, not. they're just not yeah. good. No, they're not. Like, okay, here's here's my uh, outrageous hockey statement for the year, or at least this show. I will not be surprised if New Jersey or uh, one of the New York teams does that and zooms by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, they just zoom by and. I think everybody's zoomed by the Penguins. They just have not looked right. I'm sorry. They they, they haven't looked right in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, there are guys who just look broken and disinterested. I think I think the Bruins could find a way to help them and take, you know, they could there's one player they could take off their hands and make it make their salary cap a lot more <clears throat> flexible, you know, if they wanted to send us John Marino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just John Marino. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else I really want on that squad, and there really isn't. Not maybe, Jake. Uh, not Jake maybe, Gensel. Maybe Gensel. I, I, 
would have to be the other one. But beyond that, I mean, there there are some talented kids on the team, as far as I can tell. Anyway, although I can't help every time I hear them mention uh, Lafferty, one of the players on, and I don't know his first name. I apologize. Um, but every time I hear them mention the name Lafferty, I keep thinking Lafferty Daniel from um, the, Sam. the Adam Sandler movie. Um, the golf movie, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, really uh, I know which one you're talking about, but I don't actually watch but um, intru- many Sandler movies. That's all right. They were introducing Adam Sandler's. Uh, character to come up to the line and take his, you know, take his first swing, and he, he's announcing the pairs, and he says Lafferty, Daniel, and Gilmore, Happy, and all I can think is Lafferty, Daniel, whenever they announce his name. So, the guy is turning into a a, a line from a movie for me. Um, I'll but take, he, he actually, I'll actually take Casper Kapanen. Yes, Casper uh, Kapanen looked good. Well, he looked good in Toronto. He hasn't looked good in Pittsburgh yet. Six points in eight games. I'll take that. I mean, if you're not going to look good, <clears throat> six points in eight games is pretty good at not looking good. Okay. 18.2 shooting percentage. That says he needs to shoot more because his career number is 11-1. Yes, he needs to shoot more. Uh, plus, he plays um, on that that right wing position that the Bruins seem to have so much trouble. I think they, I think they've forgotten it exists. Oh, like okay. organizationally, it seems that they have forgotten it exists. But or I yeah, should say they, disorganizationally. The Penguins just have not. I mean, I mean, they were celebrating the fact that like Malkin scored a goal last night in like it was at party least, like six goals into his season. And he's not. I don't know. I'm not even sure if he's six points into his season, which is somewhat terrifying for their salary cap structure. Um, yeah, that's yeah. When you look at Evgeny Malkin, and he's 11 games in, he's got six points. He's a minus two. Uh, his shooting percentage, even. He hasn't been in single digits shooting percentage since ten eleven. He's at nine point one right now. Uh, his faceoff percentage, oddly enough, is actually the highest it's ever been at fifty point nine. He's still playing nineteen minutes a night. I mean, he it's not for lack of of ice time. It's just the team doesn't look good. and Okay, I'm going to go out on a radical limb here. Uh-oh. He Everybody hold on. Maybe. Okay. I'm holding the desk here. Maybe. Maybe the team isn't best served by having a 34-year-old play 19 minutes a night. I was – yeah, just caught the – Drop him down to the, 17. You hit the softball I lobbed up in there. Okay. <laughs> drop him down to 17, drop him down to 16, and see what happens. Yeah, but if you're dropping him down, are you also dropping him off of, like, the second line or – No, you're just playing the three and four a little bit more. You're giving them essentially two extra shifts per game that are coming from that line. Okay. And, he, I mean, he's not producing at that number – 
he's not as young as he used to be. He's not as engaged as we're used to seeing him. You got to do something. And the something that they're doing right now is pretty terrible. So are you served by having a 33-year-old playing 20, 20 and a half minutes a night? You mean uh, the other superstar on the team? Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he's producing slightly better than Well, he's got nine Malkin. points in 11 games. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the team is the team structure because of the salary cap, uh, the salary of those two and, um, Mm -hmm. their, uh, their favorite defenseman who has been there forever. Um, (laughs) the reason why, the the reason why Rutherford isn't there anymore. (laughs) Essentially. Yes. Um, he wanted to get you. Rutherford, imagine that. A, a, a GM that wanted to get younger and healthier and healthier on the defense. And the ownership supposedly said, no, you're not trading him. I probably would have had issues with that, too. I don't know if I would have had the guts to walk away. <laughs> Depends on how, how healthy the bank account was. But I would have had issues with that as well. But yeah, Crosby, 33 years old. He's playing 20, 20 minutes and 28 seconds a night. He ironically also has his highest face-off percentage in his career. That's nice. But, but his it's shooting still not winning them games. His shooting percentage is healthier. Yeah, it's just they're not the players they were 10 years ago. Let's stop pretending they are. And five or six years ago, they should have dealt one of these two guys. I would have said, I would have said eight years ago, but that's me. Okay, eight, six, five. I mean, not now. Before <laughs> they fell off. Yes. Yes. There we go. Before they fell off the map. Yeah. Because like <clears throat> like the Bruins Bergeron line, um, those two guys are going to the Raptors, whether they play the rest of their career there or not. Bergeron is going to be in the Raptors in Boston. Yes. Marchand is going to be in the Raptors in Boston. Should. I mean, <coughs> anybody who's anybody who's the franchise leader in short-handed short goals and still. I think he's very close to the sh- to the lead in overtime goals too. I, uh but he's he's pro- he's got at this point his chances of hitting the Raptors are north of 80%. And Pasternak is at least at 60% already. And he's years younger than the other two. Marchand, 32. He played, he, well, he's 32 years old, Marchand. He, he doesn't even play 20. He plays just a shade under it, 20 minutes a night, 1952. Uh, oh, look at that. 11 games, he has 15 points. Hmm. <laughs> oh, he plays on that line. I, the line that I think should now and forever be known as the Raptors line. Yeah. The Raptors line. I like it. I'm writing that one down. The Raptors line. It wouldn't because, happen to be because you know, they, they, they all frequent a, a place called Raptors. Uh, no, I, I think it's where they're destined to be. Um, I, I, I would I have hate, to agree. I literally hate hearing the P word line. Um, and I use it religiously on on NHL Network, by the way. Yeah, yes, it's a little tiny bit gross. Um, 
I just and, don't understand why. I mean, look, there's not a bigger fan of Patrice Bergeron in the NHL than me. Mm. Just everybody stop. His mother might be. I heard the champagne might be popping. I heard the champagne corks popping when they named him captain. I know that that was your place, but it's and, okay. <laughs> Brad Marchand. Dude makes hockey interesting even when he's being a complete dingbat. And he's still an excellent hockey player. Excellent hockey player. Yes. And, and, and from where he started and from the player he is now. Fourth I mean, round draft getting, pick. He's getting Selkie vote. And he's getting better every year. Yes. He was a Selkie candidate. Selkie 24th in his second season. Fell to 35th. Fell to 43rd, fell off the charts for a couple of years, came back 25, uh, 16, 17. He was 12th, year after that 10th, fell to 16th. Last year, he was 9th in Selkie voting. So what you're saying is he's the reason reason that Patrice hasn't collected number five. Yeah, it's all his fault. He's taking votes away from Patrice. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know. The magic man, uh, David Pasternak, if that dude's healthy, he is a threat to score anytime the puck gets near his stick. Did he get a hat trick the other night without even thinking about it? I mean, yes, it, it, yeah. it just, he, he he just sometimes he looks and I'm, and I'm not saying this is a knock, but sometimes he just looks disengaged and all of a sudden, boom, he's got two goals. It's I, like he's just know, out there skating around. All of a sudden he's got two goals. You know, they talk about David uh, Krejci slowing the game down and just playing it and, you know, controlling the pace of play and the puck that way. Mm -hmm. I genuinely wonder if David Pasternak isn't secretly like the Flash, because sometimes he just puts his stick in the air after someone has made a shot and swats a puck, a rebound out of the air and into the net um, before almost before the original shot is released. Like, is he seeing into the future? Is he telekinetically controlling the puck? Uh, Because some of what he does, I mean, I watch, (laughs) there are some years where I will watch 200 or 150 NHL games. Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen thousands of NHL games in my life, thousands and thousands. There's some, he still does stuff that I haven't seen more than five times uh, in all of that time, in all of those games, watching players from, you know, Lemieux and Gretzky and Solani and Neely and uh, Glenn Murray and just stunning, like literally stunning sometimes. But you're right. He absolutely looks like he he looks like he's he he looks like he's walking faster than everyone else is running. It's very weird. I, I just don't. It, it, it really does. It looks like he does not look like he's moving fast. And all of a sudden, more, that first goal he scored the other night for his hat trick, and he's coming down the left wing, and all of a sudden, puck is through the legs. He's by the guy, and 
tucking the puck. Uh, now, granted, it hit a def- I think it hit Obi Kubel or something like that. Hit a defenseman skate or Obi Kubel skate and deflected in. But just that one move through the legs, boom, by him. Uh, defenseman never had a chance, and I don't even know who it was because it was he was by him, like as you said, in a flash. So I'm going to throw this question out, and this is very premature, so do not get weirded out by this question. But it's his seventh year, in yep. seventh season in the NHL. He's 24 years old. He's played in 394 games. He has 387 points. Mm-hmm. Is he catching Gretzky? No. Ouch. Gretzky had a couple of 200-point seasons. Those 200-point well, seasons <laughs> are never going to be seen in the NHL again. Well, never. no, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> no. And le- it, okay, if Pasternak is actually playing at age 40, he might catch Gretzky. But Maybe. we're saying this about Ovechkin. Ovechkin's never had a 200-point season. Only in goals. We're only talking about goals. Okay. Ove- uh, Gretzky would still lead the league in scoring if he had never scored a goal. Like he has that many assists that if mm-hmm. he had never scored a single goal in his entire NHL career, and that's the thing have. about and that's the thing about Pasta is he's uh, he's fairly balanced for, in his score. I was going to say for the goal scorer that he is, and we've seen his his ability to score. He actually has 185 goals, 202 assists. He's actually quite the balanced forward, but you don't see it. Now, granted, he's playing on a line with Bergeron, Marchand, and how easy is it to throw the puck into the into the slot area and have one of those two guys deflect it in? Hello. Just as Bergeron uh, closed the game <laughs> in overtime from Pasternak after Pasta's hat trick. Yes. And could Pasta have had a fourth goal of the night instead of Dishing yes. off to Bergeron? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Quite likely, yeah. Uh, I, he, he's, he's fun to watch when he's healthy, and that's unlike unlike our friend Mr. Wheeler. Pasta has had one season where he's played all the games. Yes. Unless um, you count 14-15. Was that the shortened one, 46 games? Uh, 48 games, so he missed two games there. Okay. I think he was still in Europe uh, and getting back. No, he's trying to find his skates, I'm sure. but <laughs> That could be it, too. Now, uh, Rangers, Rangers, Rangers. Um, they're doing, honestly, about as well as I expected them to this year. Sorry, Blue Shirts fans. Um, I, don't, I don't know that the Blue Shirts fans were expecting them to be, I mean, maybe challenging for that fourth spot. And it's early enough in the season, although we're actually about 20% in at this point. Um, Very weird to say after 10, 11 games. Yeah. Very weird to say. Uh, let's see. So the Rangers have, I mean, they, they, they've had some. They've they, had had some they have some bright spots. Uh, yeah. Uh, and once Shesterkin gets out of his head, uh, that's one of them, because. If you watch the Igor Shesterkin from the other night when he was able to shut down whoever the heck they were playing, only allowed one goal, um, he has those kind of nights, but then he has nights where he's letting in four and 
and being pulled halfway through the second. I mean, it's frustrating. If I were a bigger Rangers fan, I would be frustrated by it, and I would want to know why the hell we weren't playing Georgiev more, and why the hell did we let Lundqvist go? And uh, <laughs> well, they let Lundqvist go because he was a hundred and a lot. Um, I understand that. I'm just so I, in my reading for the week. Mm-hmm. Came across uh, Blue Line Station's five biggest surprises this season uh, for the uh, for the for the Rangers. And ten games in, their number one surprise is a defenseman that <clears throat> I wish a certain team slightly closer to my location would have taken. Um, K. Andre Miller. <laughs> uh huh. I'm pretty certain I spent half of the half of his draft year talking about him. Pretty sure. Yeah, I might have to agree with that. Uh, he was taken 22nd overall in that 2018 draft. Um, Did we have a first round pick that year? I don't believe the Bruins had a first round pick that year because I think that's the pick that they traded for, you know, Rick Nash, who was such a phenomenal impact player. A phenomenal is that the year we drafted Axel Anderson? It is the year that we drafted Axel Anderson. Who, by the uh, way, is also is no longer a Bruin. Awesome. Because we traded him and and Bacchus and a first-round pick for Andre Kasha. Uh, we, also traded, we also drafted Curtis Hall that year, who in one AHL game this season has zero points. Excellent. Phenomenal. Uh, but so K. Andre Miller leads the team in five on five time uh, time on ice. And that's and it's not like a small lead through 10 games. Uh, he's got 167 and change minutes more than any other player at five on five. The problem is that guys like K. Andre Miller show up and and Adam Fox last year. And I, we got to see Adam Fox play Kale McCarr in a college. I mean, they were on the ice together in college hockey. I mean, and between the two of them, it was no contest that everybody else was college level. And these guys were certainly a step above. Yes. But unfortunately, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, they step onto the ice in Madison Square Garden and they're going to get forgotten because of guys like Capocaco and Alex Lafreniere. And you know what? I don't think they care as long as they get to play in the NHL. But I mean, not everyone wants the spotlight every minute of their life. No, I'm just I'm just saying that you're talking about not, you know, Kendra Miller not getting noticed. I mean, yes, we he when he's on the ice five on five Rangers have more scoring chances than they give up. Yep. That's that's always impressive. I mean, when you're when it's being driven by a rookie blue liner, um, that's pretty shocking. Only Adam Fox has more points on their defense. That's a somewhat oh, lower there's bar. The other guy. There's the other guy. Um, one of the really interesting uh, quotes is from Mitch Brown of Elite Prospects. Miller was the best rush defender. I tracked in the NCAA last year, breaking up 46% of controlled entry attempts against with translatable form. 
Um, so yeah, no when you're breaking up 46% of rushes mm-hmm. at any level, you're an impact player. Um, and when you have, when you have some of the higher quality players that he gets to play with around you, you can translate that into turning around back up ice pretty quick. Now, I mean, who wrote it? Steve, Steve Paulus. Now the thing, uh, he gets a little technical in here not terribly so, but when he talks about the, the, the rush, the rush mm-hmm. defense, his footwork so refined, maintaining backwards momentum and never crossing over until the attackers committed. That's actually a huge thing because when you start crossing over and you start twisting, turning your body, you're giving the off- the offensive player in front of you the opportunity to go around, make a move and leave you kind of cross-footed. And then next thing you know, you're either tumbling over or stumbling to get back to balance. And even if you do neither of those things, you lose speed. It's just physics. You lose speed when you cross over. Uh, his footwork so refined, maintaining backwards momentum. Yeah, the footwork combines with reach and aggressiveness to close space as early as possible. Then he takes control of the attack, forcing them to the perimeter before killing the play along the boards. It's it, it's brilliant in its simplicity when you think mm-hmm. about it. Uh, surprise him. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, having seen having seen video of him before he was drafted, you know, it, and for it to still translate and for him to still be that successful at the NHL level is it's delicious. Like it's, I said, in its simplicity, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I'm really happy to see it. Now, uh, K. Andre Miller, Andre, uh, I'm sorry, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren. Uh, their contributions all translate to helping out with surprise number two, which is shot suppression. Um, last year in the NHL, the Rangers were second worst uh, in shots allowed, 34 per game. Uh, this year, they are they are allowing the ninth fewest shots. And if they keep up at this pace... They'll have the lowest shots against average for the Rangers since the 2007-2008 season when K. Andre Miller and Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren uh, had no need to shave yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were probably half a decade away from the need to shave. By the way, just, you know, Ryan Lindgren wasn't drafted by the New York Rangers. Yes, he was gifted to them by Don Don. Yeah. So clearly we can do some things right and then screw Half it up right. later. And then, screw. yeah. Uh, you know what? This guy, Ryan Lingren. Yeah. We'll just trade him away with, we, we want that Nash guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number three, they're talking about taxi squad production. Uh, that's an interesting one, but um, I think it's better read than listened to. Um, Alex Lafreniere's, Debut. I I, I think they're expecting. Yeah, go. I think that, no. I was just gonna say I think they're expecting more out of him. But what I don't understand is how you can make that expectation. You put the same pressure on Capocaco last year, and it took him how long to score his first goal? Like three weeks or something like that. I mean, let the guy play. play. 
let him. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Uh, and I mean, Lafreniere is is also playing on his has also played on his off wing on the second line. Fourteen twenty seven is a reasonable no, number of minutes per game for a rookie. Um, you can make the argument he'll develop better playing seventeen or eighteen, but you also have to have him out there playing confidently. And I'm not sure that if that's a hundred percent the case today. Uh, I I I especially love this. <clears throat> and if you have to remind people, then that it's important to remember that Lafreniere is still a teenager. To make sure you don't forget that. It's important to remember. That was the point zooming by uh, everyone who in New York. There have been rumblings about the production of players like Stutzla of Ottawa. Tim Stutzla, by the way, he's starting to turn it on, and he looks really good in Ottawa. Niels Hoaglander of Vancouver, and they're comparing them to to Lafreniere. Well, Uh Tim Stutzla was, what, the third overall pick? Yeah. So is it not okay to compare him to Lafreniere, considering he's a little bit older? Every rookie who has outscored the Ranger winger is older than he is. I I, I just all right. I understand it's New York, and New Yorkers have this un, unbelievable they expectation. disproportionate value. Yes, thank you. I like that phrase. They assign disproportionate value. Capo Caco. Once you let him just play and stopped hounding him about the fact that he was number two overall and he didn't score and he's not scoring and oh my god and it, once they just let him play, he he played and the same thing's going to happen with Lafreniere. Yes, he's number one overall. Let him play. Wait, wait, wait. He's Someone up a little. Write that down <laughs> and let him play. Don't Wait. compare. Don't worry about Tim Stutzla. Don't worry about Pew Suter because there's another kid that nobody had ever heard of until he had a hat trick. Yeah. You know, you got you got Dylan Cousins uh, on the same team. I mean, just let him play. He's going to make his mistakes. He's a rookie. Sure. I, I don't. I don't really get the whole. <laughs> Oh my God, he's the savior every year for whoever comes out of the first round. He's going to save our entire franchise, just mm-hmm. like the last eight guys we drafted in the first round. <laughs> it's just it, it like Capocacco last year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, look at look at Edmonton. How many saviors did they have in a row? I don't know. Now they have one called McSavior, though. And he's doing a better job, but he's also got several of those former well, saviors playing with he, him. He seems to have the same benefit that a guy in Pittsburgh had. Uh, the uh, everything's a 10-minute major if you look at me penalty? Well, there's that too, but I was talking about a, a certain you know, other star player who kind of makes him look better than if oh, he was playing one. by himself. You know, that German guy. Yes, the German guy doing the same thing as the other Russian guy who's really not doing it anymore. Well, Dreisaitl is a little bit younger than Malkin, so he might have a few more years before he gets to that point. But I'm sorry, McDavid is a talented, talented young player. 
is he as good if he doesn't have dry sidle on his right? Oh, or, that's the thing. They don't always play dry him and dry sidle together. They sometimes play. They usually they don't play always. They don't play. Lines. They don't play Crosby and Malkin together all the time either. But they have in the past, and every now and again when they need offense, they still do. I mean, up there you've got a boatload of number one picks, so it's it, you're bound in. You, you, it, law of averages is that you are going to hit eventually, and Nugent Hopkins, after all the time that he spent, he's finally starting to come round to what we expected. <coughs> I think he you know, was thrust too soon and needed more time to actually uh, physically mature. Well, there's that too, yeah, and probably could have done the same thing with Yakupov before you screwed up his career. Uh, yeah, both of them desperately needed a year, uh, another year, either in in the CHL or maybe even playing in like the Swedish Hockey League before hitting the NHL. They're just not physically. They were not physically ready. Because I think and, and 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 clearly it screwed up Yakupov more than Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But Yakupov was a hot mess. Yeah. So what's the last surprise for the Rangers? Uh, oh, last surprise for the Rangers. Because uh, I know you like this guy. Uh, Mika Zibanejad's uh, slow start. Um, I. Mika Zibanejad, even when healthy, is a bit streaky. Um, he he did miss all of training camp, and that's not good. Um, he is, I, I, he is a, a weird. I, I want to like him more than I do. Oh, I like him more than I can justify. Is my problem? I because like if you if you told me today. We can we can add him to your team. Mm-hmm. In almost all cases, I'm jumping for joy, it, or at least really really happy. Why? Because I've seen him take over series. Like he when he is in the zone, I'm legitimately not sure there's actually a better player in the game. When he is in the zone, he is next level ridiculous. I've seen him do stuff that I've never seen Crosby or Malkin or Malkin or Ovechkin or um, the guy in Colorado or either of the guys McKinnon? up in Edmonton. Yeah. Okay. But and, it's not often and it's not consistent. And he's only 27. It feels he feels he's another one of those players who he feels like he should he should be pushing the 20 year mark and it's only about, it's only 10 or less. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his numbers last year, 57 games, 75 points year before that 82 games, 74. He struggled. He struggled his first two years with the Rangers. And I don't even know if you could count the first year because he only played 56 games for them. And he had 37 points. His second year with the Rangers, 72 games, he only had 47 points. He was a minus 23. I think he was like the only one out there on the ice. I'm, I Don't quote me on that. They but were not good that year, which yeah. didn't help him. And, but, and yeah, he he's improved been playing since from the 11-12 season. And from his time in Ottawa, I mean, 
when he got in when he got to the Rangers, yeah, he stepped up his game. I mean, oh, his absolutely. best year in Ottawa was the last year. He eighty one games, he only had fifty one points. He hits the Rangers, thirty seven and fifty six. Then he has a little slide. Last two years, seventy averaging seventy five points. I mean. So he's stepping up his game. He's and last year he had 75 to... points in 57 games. Yeah. And scored 41 goals in that time. He was ridiculous in that late stretch of the uh, pre-pause. He was playing 21 and a half minutes a night last season. Yeah. And it looked like he probably could have played another three minutes a night. Uh, without it, where, without him slowing down, they've actually backed him off this year. He's down to twenty and a half. They backed off about a minute and ten seconds of time on ice per game. <laughs> I mean, I just I want to like him more than I do. I really do, but I don't know. I, I, just, I think part of it is the durability. Mm-hmm. He has. With the Rangers, he has one year where he's played the full season. Yep. And, I mean... As I said, I like him more than I can actually justify. But the talent is... I mean, you can see it when you want. The talent is there. Yes. When When he's healthy and focused or whatever you want to... Whatever terms you want to use for when he's at his best... Yeah, it's there. He's there. Um, interesting thing I saw on Twitter just after we started uh, to record the show. Mm-hmm. A Jake for Jake trade uh, is apparently under discussion, according to Boston's own Jimmy Murphy. Okay. And that would be Jake for Tannen. For Jake DeBrosk. I like Jake Bertanen. Uh, not much wrong with him in my book. I'm trying to think if I'd actually do the deal, though. It's a very, very, very... Only because... I don't know. Like, uh, as I mentioned, I? when uh, at some point last year... Uh, or prior, or may have been during the pretend offs, um, Jake DeBrusque, in the same number of NHL games as Tyler Sagan, actually outproduced Tyler Sagan with the Boston Bruins. So I don't think he's underperforming. I'm just, I'm, I'm. Okay, here's. The two things, the, the things with Jake Bertanen are, he has not been as productive offensively. Yeah. How much of that is the team? How much of that is him? I don't know. He was number sixth overall in the 2014 draft. So at 24 years old, he's not, I mean, he's certainly not old, but he's not really, really young anymore. Um, but he's a right wing and he's big. It's yeah, well, where, where are you going to play and to trade? I mean, actually, him and uh, him and DeBrusque are about the same age. Uh, DeBrusque is October 17 and 96. 
Rattanen is August 17th of 96. Uh, oh, so DeBrusque missed his dra- missed being in the same draft class by a month. Yeah. Um, DeBrusque I, is outperforming him points str- wise. I don't know that I'd do it straight up. I, I think I'd I think I'd want something else back from me. Uh, from I think there's more production out of. I mean, yes, Rattanen is six one two twenty six. Uh, he's, but performance-wise, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd want He's only back. playing, uh, first of all, DeBrusque plays three more minutes a night. It doesn't sound like much, but when you're talking 16 versus 13. Uh, I mean, the only the only other thing is is that Vertanen makes uh, a lot less. He's at two and a half and change. <laughs> That's about what I'd pay him. I mean, he's played 290 games. To DeBrusque's 209 games, but DeBrusque actually has 100, uh, has 30, 25 more points, 30 more points, 121, 96, 5, 101, 25 more points in 81 less games. Again, doesn't sound like a lot, but. And DeBrusque is actually making uh, less than I thought. So DeBrusque is at three three point six and change. So there's about a million and a half difference. I for some reason thought DeBrusque was at five. Um, just, I think it's a zero sum game. It, it, you're not you're not bettering the team by making this deal. Um, I don't believe yes so. Yes and no. Can you get someone additionally to play on their better side? Because uh, they they had played DeBrusque as low as the third line in order to get him on the left side. <clears throat> uh, I think it's an interesting conversation, but I would definitely, definitely actually be looking to get something else back with him. Okay, but if you turn around, you trade DeBrusque to... If you put him on a line with... <clears throat> Krejci. No, no, no. If you trade DeBrusque to Vancouver and you put yep. him on a line with, like, I don't know, Bo Horvat and, yep. um, I don't know, Brock Besser. Um, or if you put him on a line with Bo and, see, JT Miller's the left wing, right wing. And I, I just think that, well, A, if you move DeBrusque to Vancouver, I think his offensive side's going to get sparked because, the, the amount of kids his age on that team. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty young team. Uh, I mean, Adam Gaudet's a, a kid that we got to watch at Northeastern. Like I said, you got Niels Hoaglander. You got Elias Patterson. Uh, Zach McEwen. Um, and, of course, Brock Besser is a de- aged and decrepit 23 years old. Um, Bo Bo Horvat's a whole 25. I mean, JT Miller's 27. Ooh. Practically, practically (laughs) retired. He put Jake DeBrusque on that team. It it just does. It's not a, it's, I I don't think it, I don't think bringing Vertanen here benefits, but I I like Vertanen. I do, but I don't know that trading DeBrusque away helps the Bruins in any way. If you could find some other way to get him here and hang on to DeBrusque, I think that would be a better 
So better you're talking team. more like a cache trade for Vertanen, which I don't know that Vancouver would take. Well, I'm not, not sure all, I would not take all, it not all G- not all GMs are Don Sweeney. Come on now. <laughs> Almost like you're taking a side handed uh, swipe at our beloved leader and I, fearless leader. I, I would never do that on this show. I would come okay. out and tell you for certain that yes, I I don't like the way Don's made some deals over the last couple of years. Uh Benning's still running or the show not made Vancouver. deals. Or, or not, not made yes. deals. Uh Jim Benning, uh former assistant general manager here in Boston, yes is indeed He's, is still running Vancouver, so he already knows. He already knows um, how things are run down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that deal's happening. I, like I said, I like Vertanen. I don't think it's going to happen unless unless Benning can find some way of turning this into a the Rick Nash deal of of the North or something. Ouch! Don't even mention get- that name. Can he get our first round pick and 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 one of our best one of our better defense prospects? Yes. Along, along with DeBrusque for Retanen, then he might make the deal. I don't know. That's something that calls for an active and vigorous defense, possibly with the gloves off. Okay. Uh so watching the Bruins and Capitals a couple of nights back. Yes. And <clears throat> The Capitals had taken a little, a few liberties with, you know, goaltending and a couple of other things. And Trent Frederick Ah, starts uh, getting in Tom Wilson's face, which, generally speaking, is not considered healthy. Um, Game one, nothing, nothing comes of it. Game two, they drop the gloves. Well, I mean, Tom Wilson is right now arguably the best fighter in the league somewhere in the uh, somewhere near the peak of his career. I know Lucic is still in the league. I know Char is still in the league. Um, there's a couple of other really big older guys who are still around. Matthew Kachuk. I don't know that Matthew Kachuk is actually. Call, not that I would call him older, but. I, I don't. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is. Mm, Probably about the same age as Wilson and Frederick. Um, but I don't know that he's necessarily a better fighter than Wilson because Wilson is a big, strong guy. Uh, you know, he's got those cement skates when he's when they start swinging and just he, he's a, he's a bad dude. Okay. And he had the reach advantage, the size advantage, the experience advantage on Trent Frederick. Trent Frederick won the fight. It wasn't a big dramatic win. It wasn't, you know, it, it certainly wasn't a knockout or anything like that. No, but no, no. Trent Frederick landed better blows and never looked in danger of losing. Trent Frederick, from the from the day I've seen him step on the ice, uh, his first game in the NHL, he got into a fight. I mean, he doesn't look, he doesn't fear anyone, as far as I can tell. No, and the thing is, no situation seems to be like he's going to step aside or or he seems to he 
seems to step up to the situation at hand. I, I he's a he's a biggish kid himself. You, you're talking about Tom Wilson is big. I mean, Trent Frederick still six two, two hundred and five pounds, two somewhere yeah. in there. But uh, I mean, Frederick was giving up almost twenty percent of his or ten percent of his body weight. That's not that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, and then there's the interview after the fight. Uh, he's sitting he's sitting in the uh, press room uh, taking questions. And he's acting like nothing out of the ordinary had happened, even though this is his first NHL fight. And, uh, or I think, yeah, it's his first NHL fight. And he's just calmly taking questions like he's doing a practice test for some subject he was really, really good at in school. No, no sweat, no excitement, nothing. It it, it was kind of fun to watch. And they got around to, um, they went through, you know, the litany of local reporters. And he just sort of smirked a tiny bit when yeah. Kevin uh, DuPont uh, asked him uh, or started giving him or appears <laughs> to be giving him advice on how to fight. Something, the something the effect of so it, so it appears the secret is to drop your left arm so that you can grab him by the jersey or something, and and Trent Frederick's response was, oh yeah, I'll have to remember that the next time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was honestly in, hilarious. In, 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 in an interview that was like four or five minutes long, and yeah, pretty much straight face, no, no. no he showed a little bit of emotion. He got a little bit of a chuckle out of him there. And KPD was just like, no, 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 no. I'm saying that because that's what it looked like. I was watching from you. And he's like, Oh, okay. It was originally believed that yes, KPD was giving fighting advice to a writer was giving fighting advice to Trent Frederick. Uh, it's his first fight this season. It's not his first fight was in his first game in the NHL. Cause his parents were going up. Oh, by the that's way, that's right. You and I have both met his parents. Fabulous people. Uh, yes, it was. It's been a little while though. Fabulous people, but yeah, we did get to meet them back when he was at uh, development camp. Uh, great family. His brother plays basketball instead of hockey, which they couldn't figure out at the time. But it was funny. It was. It was a good story. Uh, good times. And but they were at the first game, and when he got into that fight, his dad was just jumping up and down high-fiving people and i mean he was through the roof that his son was beating the tar out of somebody <laughs> it was it was it was enjoyable to watch and, the, and and of course you know jack edwards had to you know oh there's mom and dad and they're all excited and he, jack's getting all excited and throwing because whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. Down. <laughs> i've been watching hockey longer than jack edwards has been in town mm-hmm. and i have not once heard him excited not once really anyone who says otherwise clearly their imagination jack edwards excited he does your imagination oh okay all right maybe it's dale arnold that i'm thinking of yes or barry peterson either one barry peterson yeah he's he's one to get excited get excited it was just it, Trent Frederick is going to be fun to watch going forward. I'm glad that he's 
made the roster and I think going forward he's not going to be the guy that's pumping in you know 50 goals a year 30 goals a year whatever I think he's going to be fun to watch oh absolutely Uh, which brings us down to our last topic Um, the Dallas Stars are they for real or is where they're sitting in the division right now more a product of the division than of them? As of today, uh, the Sunday where there's some game played in one of the other sports. Uh-huh. Uh, Dallas Stars currently sits sixth out of eight in their division. Okay. Is are they a sixth place team in that division? Is that the real Dallas Stars? I don't know if you can actually say who the real Dallas Stars are. They're like five games behind everybody else, are they not? Eh, well, Tampa has played only one more game. Tampa leads the Central Division because that's uh NHL geography. And Florida has played the same number of games. Um, and has three points on them, um, also in the central division. Um, and I actually, statistic- I think you have to actually buy, I think by rule, you have to say the discover central edition, uh, division, uh, the discover central edition, uh, my deepest apologies. Well, since uh, we have sponsors for every division now. Yes. Uh, very, very <laughs> important to keep track of. So, they, they, I don't know. So Dallas go came ahead. Out of the, no, I was just going to say Dallas came out of the box hot when they finally did start playing. Now, granted, everybody else had played like four or five games, so they were still fresh, so to speak. They had, you know, they haven't had the the drain of playing back to back games or, or games every other night. So they came out hot and they've kind of cooled off. I mean, they started out, they they lost their last game. I don't. At home, they're unbeatable. They're four. They're they're undefeated. Four zero and zero. Not as good on the road, but they are plus eleven. I don't know. It's one of the. I think I need to see a couple more games out of them. See what they get them to the ten game mark. Where, although you're right, there's a lot of teams now that aren't there, and and there's, I didn't think it was quite that high. But that central division is the Discover Central Division. Uh, four of them are still under 10 games, yeah. I, I didn't realize it was – wow. Well, you have to remember where you're playing all your games within the division each this year. If you miss a game, someone else in your division is missing a game too. Oh, yes, uh, that's true. And I want to say that both Dallas and Florida were on the protocol at the same time. Pretty um, close. Is I guess if you're going to ask the Dallas question, can you ask the Florida question? Is Florida really a second place team? <laughs> um, I think Dallas has. I have that. trouble believing that Florida is going to maintain a top three spot in the division, but right now <clears throat> their numbers look legitimate. They they have a they have a plus six goal differential in. Uh, in eight games, which is 
which is solid, puts them in the top half of the division. Is it fair to um, say Streaker is a better goaltender than Sergei Bobrovsky? They have a better uh, points percentage than anyone in the division, um, including Tampa. Um, they've they've allowed fewer goals than several of their uh, division opponents. I mean, we're not even going to talk about Detroit because they're <laughs> they're dead winging it again. Um, okay. Their goal scoring probably needs some work because, yeah, they're not quite there yet. Well, but they're still they're still winning. And they're, I mean, they they have three of their six wins in regulation, five of their six wins without going to the shootout. Uh, that's important. And I think the Dallas Stars are not as highly ranked as they should be. <clears throat> I think that one of Columbus or Carolina is going to fall out of the playoffs, uh, out of the top four, and Dallas is going to climb in. It's just it, it it's very weird to see Florida in second, Dallas in sixth. Yes, I think that on paper and and another uh, unfriendly phrase, but on paper, I think Dallas is a better team. Uh, I think that they're they're younger as far as their defense. I mean, you got Mira Heiskanen, you got uh, Essa Lindell, I believe, still there. Essa Lindell is really good. Oh. Jamie Alexiak, big boy. Second biggest after Chara, in my opinion. I think I think Alexiak's like 6'7". Um, you look at their forwards, and you've got Rupe Hintz. you got Gurionov, young, young. Uh, Pavelski's playing like a youngster. <laughs> He's leading the team in points. Their goaltending, and, and again, Ben Bishop not there, but Hudobin holding down the fort. It's just... Yeah, Dallas surprises me being in sixth, but I'm almost as equally surprised by Florida being in second. <clears throat> With Florida, we've been told for almost a decade how good Hubert Doe is supposed to be. He appears to actually be living up to the hype this year. Last, last year and this year, yes. Up until I, last season... No, no, not even close. I mean, Huberto legitimately has 12 points in eight games. And only, well, seven of them are power play points. But so what? <laughs> You're getting 12 points in eight games? I don't so, care how they came. So does the question have to be asked then? And is this the Quenville effect? Was he as instrumental in three Stanley Cups in Chicago? I mean, the belief is that coaches get none of the get all of the blame and none of the credit. Because the, the players are the ones doing it on the ice. Depends on how shallow the analysis is and depends on what moves the GM made it serious moves the GM made in the last year or two. Like if you had no penalty kill and you go out and get the and get someone uh, or one or two people just right around the trade deadline who suddenly, uh, you know, suddenly you're you're killing 85 percent of penalties when you had been killing 75 percent. 
Yes, mm-hmm. that's a great GM move. Um, it's not as visible. So, yes, the GM is going to get a little less credit. But, you know, if, say you're... I'm not talking about the GM, though. I'm talking about the head... Quenville, head coach. Oh, Quenville, head coach. Um, yeah. three, three, three Stanley Cups in Chicago. And now he's taking over a Florida team that... I, in I, this I, case, I think top, he'll get credit. Top if heavy they make the playoffs, If they actually make the playoffs and he's got these guys all pulling in the same direction at the same tempo. Yeah. Quenville gets Quenville gets my nod for an Adams because we've seen how many coaches go through that locker room, unable to get people to pull together. It's at least four in the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, I think that coaches who have, Little roster turnover uh, over two or three years, but somehow managed to get there or whose teams arrive at in the playoffs or in the Stanley Cup final. I think that they should get less credit simply because integrating players and understanding their capabilities is it, it, it's going to take a lot of effort mm-hmm. um, because it's not just the individual player. It's how well they sync with other players and whether you're better off breaking up pairs and trios than just creating a new one out of what may be termed by many spare parts. I mean, Craig Smith lands in Boston. He wasn't immediately put on Krejci's line or Bergeron's line. He was put on a line that had already lost a player. Okay. Um... If not the Quenville effect, then can we call it the the, the Brett Connolly effect? Well, Brett Connolly <laughs> is an amazing player. Uh, uh, obviously, I, do, I mean, I, just look at where he was drafted. I, I well, he was drafted uh, sixth pick overall in 2010 by Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, I will. I do have to say, since we talked milestones earlier, that. Brett Connolly actually hit 500 games in the NHL. Yay. Uh, he played his 501st on February 4th. Yay. I was not aware that he had hit 500 games. There you go. He's got 501 games. He's got 188 points. Uh, and that's an amazing number. That's he's got 20 game winning goals. <laughs> Out Which is ni- why people know who he is. Out of his 98 goals in his career, he's 20 of them are game winners. 20% of his goals are game winners. Yep. Uh, Miko Koskinen just hit his 50th uh, NHL win. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is uh, crossed the 20 uh, shutout line. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, Patrice Bergeron just hit 1,100 NHL games. Yep. Um, Sidney Crosby, five games from 1,000. Travis Zajac, two games from 1,000. So watch those games this week, folks. Uh, Brandon Saad's next game will be number 600 for him. Wow. Jay Beagle is two away from 600. Cody Eakin, four games away from 600. Uh, Yannick Weber. One game away from 500. Ah, speaking of Webers, 
Shea, Shea. Weber. Go ahead. Thousand games. Congratulations, my friend. Shea Weber, thousand games. Should have been a Bruin. Never got to be because somebody decided to sign you to a hundred million dollar year, a hundred million dollar contract. So, who was it? That was the last time I saw a restricted free agent signing actually affect uh, the way the whole league. Because Philly, Philly offered him. It was like six years or eight years or whatever it was. Crazy length contract for a hundred million dollars, and Nashville had to match. There was no way they were letting him go. (laughs) You know, I sometimes wonder those situations. Was like the trickle down from that though. The way it affected other contracts was just ridiculous. I mean, for a guy who's never won. And it's criminal that he's never won a Norris Trophy. But for a guy who's never won a Norris Trophy, he's had quite the impact on the league. He has. A couple more milestones real quick. uh, Or pending milestones. Patrick Kane is five goals away from 400. Um, Based on the way he shoots the puck some nights, that could be only two shots. Um, Brad Marchand just uh, is at 297, so... Three goals away from 300. Uh, give him another week and a half. Yeah, week. pretty much. Nick Foligno is one goal away from his set 200th. Ryan O'Reilly, two goals away from 200. Um, boring Sean uh, Monahan is at... Oh, where'd he go? I don't know. He's still playing in Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, 196, so probably uh, <laughs> two weeks. Within the next two weeks, he should hit uh, the 200 mark. Didn't Gaudreau just hit 300 assists last night? Uh, 300 assists, maybe. Yeah, yes, I you're think. right. Uh, he's at 300. Jumbo Joe. He is 10 assists away from 1,100 assists. Damn. There's a boy who's going in the Hall of Fame and has – I don't think that not winning a Stanley Cup should have any effect on that. Nope. It should not uh, slow down the vote at all. Um, we mentioned his. We mentioned him earlier in the show. Seth Jones just hit his 200th assist, um, as did Andy Green and Tivo Teravainen and Jared Spurgeon. For a short season, there's a lot of milestones coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, Corey Perry just crossed 800 points. Brett, uh, Brett Burns just crossed 700. Um, Zach Parise is three points away from 800. Uh, David Krejci is five points from 700. Uh, Nazim Kadri just hit his 400th. Damn. Um, Shane Gostas Bear just cracked 200 points. <laughs> the ghost. Yep. I, 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 there's another team, and I'm not trying to digress. But We're going to have to talk they, about them next week. I was going to say, there's another team that I'm not, I, I, I don't quite understand yet. Uh, playing, uh, uh, punching above their weight, so to speak. Uh <laughs> Being as high up in the East as they are, I did not anticipate that. You left out the sponsor. Shame on you. 
Oh my goodness, I did. Is it the Honda East? Um, you don't actually expect me to remember, do you? No, I don't, but I figured I'd ask anyway. I'd have to look it up. Anyway, yes, we're going to have to delve it's into... the Mass Mutual East. Oh, the Mass Mutual Thank East. you very much. The Honda, it's the Honda West. And the Discover Central. Yes. Which is very central. And the... I'm yeah, well, when, so I know that I, I, I remember I remember that time that they actually picked up Florida and moved them to the central part of the country. I remember that. Uh, well, it's because <laughs> the it's because the panhandle uh, <clears throat> extends so far west. Must be. Absolutely. We're going to have to delve into the I don't want to go there. The, the mind of Elaine Vigneault. I really don't want to go there. <laughs> But we will talk a little bit about Philly next week because I'm still not, again, not sold on if they're Anything? where they actually if they're where they actually should be. Okay. Uh, and that <clears throat> that I suppose is our show, ladies and gentlemen. As always, thank you for listening. Please uh, share the show uh, <clears throat> if you follow Amy. Uh, tell her we uh, dropped her name. Uh, <laughs> Chris, anything else? No, I, it's been a, it's been a good show, good week. Looking forward to this weekend's hockey. You can find uh, you know where to find us. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, if not, uh, just make sure you listen to the show and share it with your friends. Take care.